Simple message, two points, one choice. Here's the title of the message. How much is enough? I mean, how much is enough? How much prayer is enough? Was that enough prayer? No. <laughs> More, please. How much money is enough? Was that enough? What I got in the paycheck, what I got in the, you know, the direct deposit, was that enough? No more, please. You know, how much Thanksgiving dinner is enough? Well, I wish my stomach was a little bigger. You know, like how much is enough? It just seems like I'm in a never satisfied church. Uh, you are. And it just seems like I'm in a never satisfied world. Uh, you are. Different reason, though. It just seems like it's never enough. And so I just want to get really clear um, today about uh, enough. And I say, how much is enough? Here it is. It depends on how you look at this life. Really, it's a matter of perspective, okay? So I grab my wife's glasses. I don't have them yet, but I'm struggling to see, so I'll have them soon. And uh, I like to tease her a little bit for being old. She's younger than me. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, it's not good. Hey, I can see you better. That's a bad idea. Um, but but it's, a, it's a matter of perspective, right? And so if you have uh, a certain pair of glasses, you might see better, you might see more clearly. If you had a different pair of glasses, okay. So I was at an uh, eye doctor store uh, last, last uh, yesterday trying to get like some like soda pop glasses, like so these really thick ones. And I've been told like, they don't make those anymore, man. Like they can put it into just the little thin things now. The technology's changed. I'm like, yeah, but I need this for effect, right? But you know what I'm talking about. These really thick, I need a bigger prescription. I need, I need more correction. There's sometimes we need more correction in our lives. I think money is one of those places where we get kind of nearsighted. And we can only see like this far ahead of us and we can't see farsighted and we need to look farsighted. So this first point is uh, a nearsighted, needs a little bit more correction. It's, uh, it's a little off, but here it is. Number one, grab, grab your bulletin here, uh, your pamphlet, whatever we call this thing. It's kind of cute. Um, and start filling that in, all right? That's to help you remember the message and apply it to your life. When I focus on having enough money... It is harder or more difficult to believe that Jesus is enough. When I focus on having enough money, when that's my focus, more money, please, it is harder to believe that Jesus is enough. You're going to see that from the story of the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18. So go over and turn to Luke chapter 18. I know you're probably already there because you're really smart and it says that on the little pamphlet there, the bulletin. So uh, Luke chapter 18, if you're not there, get there. We're going to go 1818, so it'd be better if it was 2020, wouldn't it? 2020 vision. Okay, sorry, I'm just being funny today. 1818, here it is. A ruler... Rich young ruler, this story is in Matthew 19 and in Mark 10, fills in some of the stuff. I'm not going to go to either of those. You can read those today. It'd be really good to have the whole story. 
And a ruler asked him, that's Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Might just underline eternal life. That's what the question's about. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Mother. Do you know the commandments? I mean, can you say that? Where are they found? Anybody tell me? Ooh, so you do know where they're found. Okay, like, can you list all ten? Oh, we're not going to go there. That'll take a lot of time. Do you know where else they're found? Deuteronomy 5, right? So it's, it's, it's interesting. You can remember it that way, right? 5 plus 5 is 10, and 20 minus 10 is 10. Ten commandments, right? So I just, they're round numbers. I can kind of remember it that way. The point is, the Jewish people knew the Ten Commandments. They had them memorized. They knew them. And they were operating by them. That was their law. Just like the speed limit says 55 and you drive 59. Yeah. They took it very seriously. That's the point. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Just imagine there being a pause there in the story. I don't know if there was or wasn't, but I can just imagine the guy was like, so excited. Right? I'm going to hear what it takes to get eternal life right now. And if you came that way today, that'd be awesome. Where you're like, dude, just tell me what I got to do. I'll do anything. I just want to be forever with God in heaven. One thing you still lack. It says, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Now, I want to say this for our visitors because um, a lot of us know that that doesn't mean you have to sell everything, okay, to be saved. We, we all know that, right? The, the important part is come follow me, right? But his problem was he wouldn't come follow him if he didn't sell all his stuff. And as we find out, he wasn't willing to do that, right? So, just to be clear, I'm not telling you to go home and sell everything. Tell your neighbor, he's not telling you to sell all. Go ahead, tell him. Tell the person next to you, he's not telling you to sell all, right? I'm not telling you to sell all. And neither is the Bible. We do need to think clearly about money. Don't distort this. Get a good perspective. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Oh, there's the problem. Jesus seeing that he had become sad, and, and Mark adds this, he loved him. So I want you to read the next phrase, because it's so easy to read the next phrase and think Jesus is like, yeah, see, it's so difficult, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, no, Jesus, it says in Mark 10, loving him, he loved him. He looked at the guy and he was sad. And he thought, how much do I pity him, right? How hard is it for these people to get it? I'm standing right here in front of him. He says, how difficult it is for those who have wealth 
to enter the kingdom of God. That should scare you. And the reason it should scare you is because we're all wealthy. We live in America, and we are all extremely rich. So when I say the words extremely rich, you think some other person. I know you do. But you need to think extremely rich, my picture in the mirror. That's what you need to think. That's the right perspective. You are extremely rich. Okay, keep going. He says, For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Have you ever tried that? I didn't bring my needle, but I know how big a camel is, and that's impossible. Which is probably why that's what's coming next. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? It's impossible. Why are we even talking about eternal life and salvation? Why? It's impossible. Just stop talking about it now. But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. God is the God of impossibilities. God brought you here today. That was impossibility. Just think about it. God brought you here today. God made me a preacher. That was an impossibility. God gave us the word of God. Do you know how much that was an impossibility? And God did it. God gave you, if you're saved, if you have Christ in your heart, he gave you the power of the Holy Spirit. It's an impossibility. But with God, these things are possible. And Peter said, so whether you're rich or poor, you have problems with perspective. See? Look at us, God. Look at us, Jesus. We have left our homes and followed you. What do we get? He's saying. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one. So he just put you in that category, didn't he? (laughs) Who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of uh, of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. I think that's another one of those verses. It's important to just speculate um, or just say clearly, uh, you don't have to leave your house or your wife or your brother or your parents or your children to follow Jesus Christ. What he's saying is, are you willing, if your wife doesn't follow Jesus, to follow Jesus? Are you willing, if your kids don't follow Jesus, to follow Jesus? Are you willing to give up your house if that's the thing that's in front of you or between you following Jesus? That's what he's saying. Right? It's really important that you get this. For the sake of Christ, for the sake of his kingdom, for the sake of the gospel, that's the key part. All right. When I focus on having enough money, it is harder to believe that Jesus is enough. Is that a true statement? I really wrestled with that. I think that's a true statement. When I get focused on money and my wallet, and do I have enough, and is it going to make it to the ends meet, and like, you know, all that. Or I'd like to buy this, or I'd like to buy that. It's Good Friday, I want to have a little extra crash this week. When I focus on Friday instead of Thursday, what's Thursday? Thanksgiving Day, right? The difference between greedy and grateful is a day away this week. And so it's a great week to talk about this. This perspective thing. So you just see in the story here, This is all about eternal life. And I just want to say this very clearly. You can't buy your way to heaven. 
either through God's uh, good works or through God's money. You can't buy your way to heaven with your good works or using God's money. And this guy's going to figure that out. And he's going to get three opportunities. Verses 18 and 19 is the first opportunity. Just look at it. The ruler asked him, good teacher. I have good just bracketed in my Bible, little parentheses, because good and teacher don't really go together. Good and God go together. Right? And the Jews knew that. So for him to add good to teacher was kind of weird. And so... Jesus is like, hey, let me ask you a clarifying question. Nobody's good except for God. Are you saying I'm God? First opportunity. What should the rich young ruler say? Yes, you're God. Bam, you have eternal life. But that's not how it went. He missed the first opportunity. The first opportunity is God alone. Do you understand that salvation is God alone? Have you ever said... Jesus Christ is God. Because if you have, you're saved. I mean, if you believe that, that Jesus is God and that he paid for your sins, you're saved. That's an opportunity for you to accept Christ and have eternal life. I think when we talk about eternal life, everybody wants it, but nobody can really get their hands around it. It's simple. We have a hard time comprehending it. The second opportunity is verses 20 through 21. So he says, well, do you know the commandments? Yep, I do. Which ones do you want to talk about? The first ten, or the first five or the second five? He goes, how about the second five? So he starts going, you know, commit adultery, number seven, and do not murder, number six, and do not steal, number eight, and do not uh, bear false witness, number um, nine, and Leaves out covetousness, which is the guy's problem, number 10, just saying, and says, honor your father and mother, which is number five, okay? And he basically uses the law. Do we have that verse, Romans uh, 3, 19 through uh, 20? Okay, here it is. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. The Jews were under the law. And it's speaking to them so that every mouth may be stopped. You be quiet and the whole world may be held accountable to God. I don't want to be accountable. Accountability is negativity. I don't want to be accountable to God. I don't want to be accountable to anybody. For by works of the law, no human being is justified, saved in his sight. The law can't save you. Working on the law, being like perfect in the law, can't save you. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. See, here it is. Through the law, the law is a mirror, and you hold it up and you go, whoa, Jeremy, look at that. It's not all that, is it? Right? You know what I mean? Oh, man. Woo! And you look, you know, you know what a full-length mirror looks like in your life? If you have a wife, you do. You know exactly how selfish you are if you have a wife, right? If you have kids, it's like five more mirrors. I feel like I'm in like the fat house, you know, like, you know, that little mirror thing that we're all the distortions and all that. Like you walk in this house of mirrors and it's like, ah. 
The law is a mirror. It's showing you your own sin. It's exposing you and how you really are. Well, I think I'm this way. Well, really, here's what it looks like. And so if I went through the Ten Commandments and you started saying, well, yeah, I haven't killed anybody, but you went over to Matthew 5 and then we're like, but if you hated somebody, you ever done that? Don't leave me up here. Anybody ever hated somebody? Yeah, well, all right, well, there's another one about lying. The other half of you that didn't raise your hand <laughs> got you on that one. And then he talks about committing adultery. And if you've ever looked at someone to lust after them, right? And then, and then he talks about covetousness. If you ever wanted something more than you've wanted God, which gets us to the first commandment, right? No other gods before me. Love the Lord your God. Him only shall you serve. And so I got to say, the law, the second thing, it exposes my sin. I'm a sinner. I know that. Do you know that you're a sinner? Like, is that clear to you? Or did you wander into church today thinking, man, I'm a pretty good person? Because I think we can get that way. I think we could be in a series on money and you could be like rolling in here and being like, man, I'm great at money. And you see the self-righteousness in this guy? Yeah, I've done it all since I was a little kid. I got that on lockdown. The self-righteousness of this guy is astounding. See, the second opportunity is grace alone. Grace alone. And we realize that salvation is by grace alone. Then you're not afraid to say, I'm a sinner. See, repentance isn't a one-time thing. It's a daily thing. You've got to repent again and again and again and again. Why? Because I keep sinning. <laughs> but I know I have a covering for my sin. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And so that grace is amazing. God's not saying in the Scripture, Jesus isn't saying, you don't measure up. Look at yourself in the mirror. Here's the law. You don't measure up. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, I've already measured up for you. See, that's the grace side of it. I've already done the measuring. I've already paid the debt. I'm enough. That's it. I love that about Jesus, how loving and gracious and generous he is. And then this third opportunity in verses 22 and 23, Jesus said, one thing you still lack. Man, I'm going to give it to you straight, bro. I'm going to give it to you real straight. You lack one thing. If you could just do this one thing, you'll have it all. Sell it all for the pearl of great price, right? Sell it all for this one thing. He says, come follow me. But you won't do that and you can't do that until you sell all your possessions because you're satisfied with them, you're fixated on them, you're finding your sufficiency in them. It's difficult, he says, right after that. How difficult it is, because I love you, I want to tell you how difficult it is for you who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. I want to tell you in America, in the American church, how difficult it is for you to enter the kingdom of heaven. I want to tell you today that it's very difficult for you to get into the kingdom of heaven. It's difficult. It's not easy. It's hard. And the reason it's hard is because we find our success and our sufficiency 
in our belongings, in our wealth, in our, in our stuff. We, uh, we do. You could say we don't. You look at me like, yeah, no, I don't. We do. I, I put on the nicest clothes I could find today. Not because I wanted to impress you. Maybe I did. Just a little bit. You know? Maybe I just didn't want to be a distraction. Maybe I'm not even sure why. Maybe it's just because that's what the world tells us to do. It's difficult. It's as difficult as putting a camel through eye of a needle. You ever tried that? You're going to be there a while. Then who could be saved? That's the question. Who could be saved? And I want to say this. Uh, before we get to salvation, let me just say this. You know, money's not the only idol. The problem is this guy had an idol, right? Money's an idol. Self-sufficiency, that's great. But what about status? Right? I like my status. I'm a business owner. I'm a whatever I am. Right? I've arrived. I've got the promotion. I've got the status. Look at my self-worth. Who I am. And then there's love. Like, I just want to be loved, right? I do. I just want to be loved. And that can be an idol. I call that just not self-sufficiency or self-worth. I just call that selfish. I want to be loved. The problem isn't that I want to be loved. The problem is that I want to be loved by something other than God who loves me completely. He loves me perfectly. So, you know, I know we're in a money series and I know we're talking about money and I know that that's the idol I'm hitting on. But there are other idols. I don't want to leave anybody out. And you could just plug in, like fill in the blank, what, whatever your idol is, right? It, enough. Um, when I focus on having enough, blank. What is it? You enter it. When I focus on having enough, blank, it's harder to believe that Jesus is enough. If I put anything else on there that I want more, it's difficult to believe that Jesus is enough. Okay, now let me, let me get to this eternal life, this salvation, this blessing. Is Jesus enough for you? That's the question, right? Is Jesus enough for you? Is it Jesus plus? Plus works, plus this, plus that, plus money, plus giving, plus... Is it Jesus light? Like I only need a little of Jesus. No, you need all of Jesus, but that's all you need. Just Jesus. Is Jesus enough for you? Or do you need something else? No, it's Jesus plus my upbringing. I grew up Christian. That was awesome. No, it's Jesus plus... You fill in the blank. If it's Jesus plus anything, I'm scared for you, as I would be scared for me. Because sometimes I like to add something to Jesus. It's Jesus plus I'm a good pastor. Watch out. It's Jesus plus I go to church every week. It's Jesus plus I serve in the nursery. You don't know how hard that is. It's Jesus plus I give. 
It's just Jesus. Salvation, which is what we're all here to hear about, the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I'm going to be really, really clear, and I hope you're thinking really clearly now about your moment of salvation and what you were believing for and what you were hoping in, and if it was anything other than Jesus, revisit that decision. Because it's only Jesus. First opportunity, God alone. Jesus is God. Second opportunity, grace alone. It's only by God's grace that you are saved. Third opportunity, remove the idol and come follow me. Jesus says, I'm here. I want you. Come follow me. Stop following the idol, whatever it is, and follow me. All right. I'm going to say it one more time. I tarry right here. Is Jesus enough? Is he enough? Or do you need something else to make you happy? All right, number one, when I focus on having enough money or you fill in the blank, it is harder to believe that Jesus is enough. Two, flip over to um, Timothy, chapter six. Paul is writing to Timothy. He's urging him as a young man in the faith and a pastor in the faith. And he's saying some things and he's going to wrap up this first book to Timothy with some Great words. It's not about what I can do. That was the first point. But it's about what he has done. That's the second point. So let me give it to you. First Timothy 6. When I focus on Jesus as enough, it is easier to believe that I have everything I need. When I focus on Jesus as enough, it is easier to believe that I have everything I need. Makes it a lot easier when Jesus is enough. I have all I need. Let me just start. Uh, the end of uh, verse 2, it says false teachers and true contentment. Do you see it there? The little title in your Bible that somebody added? That's awesome. But that helps me help you, right? So he says at the end of verse 2, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is, and then he starts to get these litany of all these things that a false teacher looks like. This is the identity of a false teacher, right? Now, again, we're in a money series, so I'm going to just focus on some false teaching just about money, all right? <laughs> and there's some that teach godliness is a means to gain. That if you're godly, you're rich. And, and the Jews thought that. The rich wrong ruler would have thought that. That his wealth is what made him rich. Because God blesses those who are saved with riches. You're like, where does he get that? Deuteronomy 28. 
Blessings for obedience. Curses when you are, you know, don't follow him. So if, if, if you don't have any money, you must be cursed. Like that's the Jews took it that far. Like if you don't have money, then you must not be living for God. That's a false teaching. Um, So you have two opposite extremes. You have the prosperity gospel. You'll see this mostly on TV. It's a distorted view of God's word. Prosperity gospel. You see it mostly on TV. You ever been on those channels? Send me $100, you know, and, and you'll get everything back and more, and it'll be awesome, and your life will be great, and the guy's rolling in in a Mercedes, and, you know. Anyway, because they have to look the part and, and I'm just going to put a word on that. It's called materialism. Write that down. Materialism. We're not called to be materialistic. That's not, that's not what we're... If you have more stuff, you're not more godly. You have more reason to be grateful, maybe. I hope that it brings gratefulness to your mind. And then there's a second thing that's a false teaching. It's the poverty gospel. And many... Uh, godly, I would say, people get trapped in this. There's a lot of books written about this. I'm not going to name them so you don't know who I'm talking about. I would prefer not to go on record. But the word is, and it's a biblical word, asceticism. Asceticism. I wrote down the definition because it's not a word I use every day. A belief in rigorous denial, self-denial, and suppression of all physical satisfaction and gain to gain God's favor. It's like, just suppress everything, give all your money away, that's how you get favor with God. If you're poor, you're, 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 you're rich with God. There's a lot of people that believe that. You could look at Colossians chapter 3, for verse 16 through 23, for the teaching on that. So there's these false teachers, get to the money part of it, Steve. Everybody say, get to the money part of it. Come on, please, please. This is, just, it's not, about false, this is not a message about false teachers. Just had to set the background. Right? Verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Christianity, it's not going to make you wealthy. That's a false teaching. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take and we cannot take anything out of the world. The only thing here in our presence today that will be in heaven is the word of God and your soul. Everything else stays behind. Eternity is a pretty big deal now, isn't it? But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall. That word means a continual falling. Ever had that feeling? I was at Mall of America with my kids on uh, Thursday. Kids had the school day off. Somebody gave us some passes, so we were there. And my kids love these rides where they just drop, you know? But can you imagine having that feeling for like ever? That would not be good, right? And this is a continual falling into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I mean, those are just pretty clearly some harsh words. 
about those who want to be rich. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving. This, I gotta have more, I gotta have more, I gotta have more. I gotta have that, I gotta have this. I've already got my Black Friday sales, oh, I know where, time, like I'm going where, and I've gotta get that. If I'm not the first hundred people in that door, I don't know what I'll do. I never do Black Friday. <laughs> Can you tell? And as I'm saying that, I'm going, that was you this week. I got some email about tires. Like, buy three, get one free, great deal, all these bonus perks at, at the Ford dealership. And I'm just like, yes, I need tires. And it was like, limited spots, call now. I'm like, calling now. <laughs> what I just described to you happened to me this week. Doesn't it? It just happens to us. It's like, I got to get in on that. If I don't get in on that, I miss something. Like Jesus isn't enough? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I was saying in that moment. Ah. I'm glad that God convicts us of our own sin. Craving. And this craving, through this craving, that some have wandered away from the faith. You know, some people walk out of here and never come back again if they crave the world, if they crave riches over Jesus Christ. Some will make that decision today. I pray not. Don't do it. Please don't do it. Come back. And they have pierced themselves with many pangs. That's a word you don't use every day. Pangs. Not sure what that means. Yeah, it means griefs or sorrows. Okay, just write that in your Bible because you're never going to get that. Okay, pangs. What is that? Griefs, sorrows. You know, it's just like the rich young ruler, isn't it? He walked away sad. If you crave money more than you crave God, if you choose money at the end of the series over choosing God, you're going to walk away sad. You're going to walk, it's going to cause you a lot of grief. For eternity, actually. This desire to be rich in verse 9, this love of money in verse 10, this craving for more which brings sorrow. But then he gets to verse 11 through uh, 16. I'm going to skip over that, but you should read that later today. Um, it's this like huge, like, God is awesome thing, right? But I'm going to skip it just to get, stay, stay on track with the money thing here. Uh, verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, and I am rich, and so are you if you're hearing my voice. Charge them, so I am supposed to charge you today, not to be haughty, not to think too highly of yourself, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. You can't take money with you. It can't get you what you need or what you want. It isn't going to be enough. At the end of the day, it's going to fall flat on its face. I'm telling you now, be warned. But on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Now I want you to circle that and highlight it because I think the poverty gospel guys don't get that. The prosperity guys say it's all about riches. 
The poverty gospel say it's all about giving all your stuff away. And I am saying these two words need to be circled in your Bible. Here's a balanced approach. It's all God's given by him to enjoy, so enjoy it for God's glory. It's all God's given to you by God, so for God's glory, enjoy it. Enjoy every minute of it. Enjoy every word I'm saying today. Soak it in. Enjoy everything you eat today. Don't eat too much. But eat for God's glory. Now he's going to set it straight. He says, they are. Hey, church, rich people, I'm going to tell you right now, this is what we're supposed to do. They are to do good. And he kind of gives you some categories. Be rich in good works. So yeah, do some good works. That's great. Be rich in those things. Be generous and be ready to share. Thus storing up treasure for yourself, for themselves, as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is eternal is truly life, is eternal life. I have written in my Bible beside that, truly life equals Jesus. And what I'm asking you to do today to change your perspective on money is I'm asking you to take hold of Jesus. If you take hold of Jesus, it's going to change the way you think about money. What I'm asking you to do is get a grip. Right? Get a grip this week. Look at this week clearly and concisely. On Thursday, we have a day set aside to be grateful. That's one choice. On Friday, we have a day set aside to be greedy. That's another choice. And so I'm giving you two choices as we close this message. Here they are. I want to make it very clear. God wants to make it very clear. Forget me. One, I could choose to focus on money and want more. You'll never stop wanting more. I can choose to focus on money and never stop wanting more. I could choose to focus on money and want more and more and more. You just write greedy as big as you can on your paper. See, I didn't bring up greedy at the beginning because if I said it's the difference between greedy and grateful, you'd have been like, I'm grateful, not greedy. Right? I mean, wouldn't you have just said that? I, would, I said that when I was like, oh, I can't do that. I'm, just, I'm not greedy. I'm grateful. <laughs> but if you explain it to me this way, maybe I am greedy. And I don't want to be. I don't want to be. The second choice, I can choose to focus on Jesus and enjoy everything. There is a lot of joy in Jesus Christ. Just write as big as you can on that one. Grateful. Grateful. You got a choice. You're leaving church today. I'm here to help you live your life according to God's word. And I'm saying to you, what a great week to have a choice. What a great week for it to be clear as clear as, clear as can be, right? Thursday, a day set aside for gratefulness. Friday, a day set aside for greediness, right? 
if you can get a great deal and do it for God's glory, go right ahead. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging. I did that. But I didn't like my heart in that moment where it was like, I gotta get this. I didn't like that. And that's what I'm trying to change, okay? But it's not wrong to get a deal. It's not wrong to steward God's money wisely so that you have more to be generous with. That's a good thing. If you need it, go get it at the best price. That's awesome. But will you just ask yourself, do I need it? Or is Jesus Christ enough? Is Jesus Christ enough? All right. Okay, this perspective, right? You got it? You see it? See it clearly? Oh, I can now. That's awesome. There you are. I need glasses. When you see the Son of God, Jesus, my Savior, and when you see the Word of God, my Bible, and what it says, right? It helps me think clearly about God's money. So the choice is yours, right? Thanksgiving, Black Friday, how will your attitude be? Who will you serve? How much is enough? How much is enough? Is Jesus enough? Maybe we just close our service with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, would you um, open up the eyes of everybody in this place for them to see you clearly? God, we love you. We love you because you first loved us. That's clear. And we want so badly to feel that way again today. Like you are all we need. You're the only thing. I pray that that would be true. Now before the band uh, comes and plays the song over us, I think it'll be good for us to focus on Jesus Christ being all that is enough. I just want to ask you, like, could this be your opportunity, your day of salvation, so to speak? And we, we at church get really excited about that opportunity because we all remember our opportunity when the day we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I think it, it makes us all sad to see the story of the rich young ruler. But we were all there once, right? Do you remember that? When we walked away from it, we looked it straight in the face and we turned around and we said, I want to do my own thing. I like, what I, I like my own life better. And I just got to say, this is a warning to us. So don't miss the warning. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if he's not all you need, if he's not enough for you, I would just plead with you today to change your thinking, to change your perspective on that. All you need to do, take the first opportunity and say Jesus Christ is God, right? Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is God. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ paid the debt on the cross for your sin, that his blood covers your sin. Do you believe that? If you believe that, then he's enough for you. You don't need anything else. Yes, you'll want to come back to church. Yes, you'll want to read your Bible, but you don't need anything else. You have Jesus. I just want to be clear with that. And so maybe you're like, yeah, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I do. 
Well, then just talk to him. He's right here. Just talk to him and just say to him, you're all I need. It's just you. You're enough. And you will answer the question, how much is enough? Because it's Jesus. He's enough. That's all you need.